Welcome back, Bulldog Nation. You're listening to yet another edition of the Dog Tracks podcast brought to you by Gardner Webb Athletics and WGWG.org. I'm your host, the award-winning filmmaker for the Dancing Bulldogs and former voice of the running Bulldogs, Brendan Boylan. And man, do we have an exciting one set up for you today. I sit down with Trey Lamb, the head coach of the reigning Big South champion football team, the Gardner-Webb running Bulldogs, and we sit down and talk about a handful of things. We talk about how football has ran in the bloodlines of the Lamb family for decades and how that shaped Trey as a young man and now uh, a head coach at a D1 University. We talk about what it was like to become a head coach during the COVID-19 pandemic. We touch on uh, some of his players that have gone on and inked NFL contracts here recently. And finally, uh, what Trey thinks Gardner-Webb fans can expect out of his team this upcoming season. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Trey Lamb coming up next here on the Dog Tracks Podcast. Coach, appreciate you so much for joining me. I know you've been busy. You've been on the road. You've been taking the team uh, to different camps. So first and foremost, how are you doing here this evening? Uh, doing great, man. Just uh, headed back from a couple camps with our coaching staff and trying to evaluate some uh, some talent down in Georgia and Alabama and South Carolina and North Carolina. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, We'll start at the beginning. I think any good uh, good story starts right there. And for the Lamb family, it all starts uh, in the deep football roots of the state of Georgia. I know, obviously, uh, you growing up down there, myself going through middle school and high school down there, uh, Friday night lights down in Georgia, it's almost as important as showing up uh, to church on Sunday, right? Um, so you, uh, your father, your grandfather, your uncle, all of you guys have been mainstays uh, in the state of Georgia when it comes to high school and college football. So it clearly runs out through your blood. Um, how did growing up around the game of football kind of shape you into the young player that you were and now how you are as a head coach? Yeah, just, you know, kind of taking a little bit from everybody I've, I've worked for and everybody I've kind of been around. My family is obviously started me on third base, so that, that helps. Um, but I, I couldn't see myself doing anything else. I, you know, I, I tried to sell insurance for a summer in college as an intern and investigated other things. And I was like, you know what, I'm, I feel like I'm so advanced in this, this business and I love it so much. I didn't want to leave the locker room and the locker room is, is the best part of this business. And, um, being around kids and being around guys and being around coaches, just everybody all in it at the same time and trying to get the same goals accomplished. It's, it's pretty remarkable, but I owe, I owe a lot to my family, you know, my granddad and, and uncle and my dad, and, um, everybody really, you know, we got two more uncles that are in coaching as well. So there, there's a bunch of us. Oh, the lamb family definitely has those deep, uh, football, Roots, as I was talking about before, uh, you made a couple stops before you eventually got your way uh, into Boiling Springs and, and the head coach of the Gardner-Webb running Bulldogs. I came in December of 2019, and 
Uh, boy, Trey, I remember sitting there talking with you uh, right after your introductory interview, and little did we know what was coming to hit the world just a few <laughs> months later, right, uh, with the COVID yeah. pandemic. What challenges were you faced with in your first year as a head coach because of COVID? And looking back, do you think it made your relationships with your coaches and players uh, that much stronger going through that process so early on in your reigns as head coach of uh, Gardner-Webb? Well, you know, everything kind of came to a pause and we really didn't do anything for, you know, on the field for eight months. And the frustrating part about the whole COVID deal was every state was playing by different rules. And um, that was frustrating. And I, 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 we wanted to play in the fall. And by the by the way, we couldn't practice and um, couldn't couldn't train our guys the way they needed to be trained they, they were not ready to play a season and everybody in the fcs decided not to play that year uh but i'll tell you what it helped us do it helped us establish a culture it helped us establish um, a roster that we felt good about it helped us in recruiting a ton uh figuring out a lot about the guys on our team and then the guys we were bringing in we got to spend a ton of time on that where most staffs weren't able to do that so um you know, it, it was what it was. It, it's over now. And um, I feel very confident with, with what we did with it. You know, you kind of got to make the, the most of the situation. Absolutely. And you kind of talked about bringing in a sense of culture. And I think any time, whether it is uh, in college football, whether it's in professional football, even down at the high school levels, really any sense of, of having a team and a coaching staff, any time that a new regime takes over, uh, there is a process in kind of acclimating yourself to maybe a group of guys you didn't recruit um, and bringing in your own culture that would differ from the regime before you. What were some key culture setters for you during your first few seasons at Gardner-Webb and, and what really helped you, whether it was a player, uh, an assistant coach, what really helped you get all those things in place and get everything quick uh, clicking rather quickly? Well, you know, first of all, you got to figure out who needs to be on the bus and who needs to be off the bus. Um, so you may lose a really good player, but that could help you culturally. You could gain an average player, but it could really help you culturally. You know, we, we're trying to recruit compelled, tough, smart people um, that can advance our program each each year. Uh, so I, th I think the biggest thing was getting the right people on the bus. That, and that, that I think COVID really helped us with that. Um, the other thing culturally is our weight room, like our strength and conditioning program has been so good, uh, with, with Curtis Whaley started with him. And then, uh, Dylan Horn this year has done an amazing job and they spend a bunch of time with our players. So I got to give a bunch of credit to our staff recruiting the right people. Um, recruiting the right people has been huge, hiring the right people, being able to keep a couple of employees, being able to keep some key players. Uh, but the strength staff deserves a lot of credit as well. Definitely understood. Looking back uh, to last season, obviously such a historical season for your team, winning the Big South. That was the first time Gardner-Webbs won the Big South in about two decades. Um, during that process, I think anytime you talk about a championship team, you could ask this question to every single member of your staff and every single uh, member of the team. And nine times out of ten, you're all agreeing on it. And the question is – was there a game, a practice, or a moment in 2020 where it really hit you that this team was going to be special and go on to make history? Or was it kind of 
the different side of it where you had a moment and you go, man, we have a lot of work to do if we want to get to that ultimate goal? I don't think there was a defining moment. I think, you know, you look at our first year, we went two and two in the spring. We went four and seven in the fall. Um, of those nine losses, I think probably six of them were within one touchdown. So we knew we were close, and it takes time. Yeah, I, I don't think any coach out there wants to go win 15, 12 games in their first season. Like, you're you're not going to be able to sustain that. We're trying to sustain something and build something pretty special. I think, um, you know, we, 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 we knew we were close um, that first year, and then last year obviously we blew, blew the – you know, blew it out of the water and, and, um, it happened at the right time. We were, we were able to sustain success and, um, I think we'll build off of it this year. Talking about just trying to build something and, and, and continue to be such a success story, um, at the FCS level, when you initially were taking interviews back in 2019, what really stuck out? about Gardner Webb and if you were to be pitching Gardner Webb in Boiling Springs to uh to a potential student athlete and a recruit what are some of your selling points and what what happened during that process for you that sold you on Gardner Webb well you know I think it starts with with Dr. Downs you know I I really do I I think he was very influential in hiring me and I believed in him and he took a chance on me, and I knew he was building something really special here. I love the way he he has tenacity, and he, he cares about the football program. He cares about sports. Um, I think he's the driving factor. Um, outside of that, uh, why not Gardner Webb? You know, I, I think it's a sleeping giant. I really do. You know, um, we we're in a really good location with really good football around us. If we can just somehow outwork the people that we're recruiting against outwork the coaches that we're coaching against outwork the players that we're playing against. I knew we could be really, really, really close um, to, to have a really good program. And talking about some of those kids that were so special um, and, and guys that you were able to bring into Gardner Webb uh, on those same mentalities you were just talking about, you have a kid in, uh, TJ Luther that signed an NFL contract um, with the New York Jets following uh, the draft and going undrafted for you. What kind of moment is that for you as a coach, uh, seeing a guy that you got so close to reach his ultimate goals and dreams in getting an NFL contract? And have you spoke to him at all uh, since he signed with the Jets and and talked to him and given him any advice on uh, what's going to be happening at the next level or any words of encouragement? Yeah, we've talked, you know, every couple of weeks, just checking in on him. He's he's enjoying his time. He said Aaron Rodgers is really good, so uh, that makes sense. Um, I talked to a couple of guys on their staff, and they really like TJ. He's doing a really nice job for him. I think he has a potential to start start on four special teams, um, you know, make the roster and, and hopefully make a career out of it. But, um, you know, also with guys like TJ and Cam McCutcheon and Isaiah Gathings and guys we've had on our roster that have gone on to NFL deals. Um, you know, I want those guys to to think about football outside of – or think about life outside of football when the NFL's over too. And uh, hopefully our program's setting them up for that. I think that's an important point that you make is while, while, you, while your job in 
is completely measured on wins and losses to people in the media, people on the outside. I think your job is also measured by the relationships that you have with these young men and how you grow your program into setting them up for, like you said, life after football, life outside of football, and and, in all honesty, making them, um, making them better men than they were when they came in to your program. How much pride do you and your staff have on that? And what are some things that you guys are doing on a yearly basis to uh, help grow these guys into fine young men outside of the game of football? Well, I think it's a, it's a learning curve every day. You know, we were all 19, 18 at one time and, and, you know, I tell their parents, and my my big recruiting spill is and when you drop him off at 18, he should be a better dad, a better son, a better husband, a better brother um, at 23 when you pick him up or when he drives home. Hopefully we've made an impact on him. But I think great coaches across the country at all levels, NFL, high school, college, find a way to do both. Find a way to win football games and find a way to impact kids. You can't just be one or the other, in my opinion. Um, you, there are coaches out there that really don't care and will try to win 12, 13 games a year with, with no repercussions. And I, I never want to be that way. I want to use the platform I have. I want our coaching staff to use the platform they have, uh, to impact kids. And I think you can win games and impact kids at the same time. And, um, I think that's what it's all about, right? I mean, that's higher education. That's, that's college football, that's NFL football, um, everybody had somebody that helped them and, and, and gave them a chance. And um, that's all we're trying to do. I've said it many times before, and I believe based off what you just said, you'd agree with me, is that football is one of the greatest life tools um, that any young person could be given. I remember going back to the days that I played, and I'm now not even going to claim that I was any good, but everybody played Pop Warder and then, and then tried to play middle school and high school football. But I learned so many life lessons um, from coaches uh, through the game, and it certainly sounds like that is the goal for you and your staff uh, as well. Has there been a particular time in your coaching career, whether it was at Gardner-Webb or prior to Gardner-Webb, where you can look back and be like, wow, that was a true life moment that I learned here on the sidelines? You know, my first year at Tennessee Tech, we won one football game, and um... – you know, you question yourself as a as a 27 year old. Um, you know, calling plays for the first time or, or second year calling plays. Like, am I really good at this? Or and do I have what it takes? I'm actually impacting these kids. And then, you know, the second year we kind of had a really good year and scored a bunch of points. And um, I think that year right there, I, I think you find out more when you're losing games and when you're winning. It's everybody can can be good and, and be at their best when things are going well. And I think that's kind of what we instill in our kids. Like we want a toughness factor. We want a grit. We want, we want an edge where when things aren't going well, how can you respond to that? And, you know, everybody preaches that and everybody says that, but what are you doing to back it up? Are you actually putting them in adverse situations? Are you putting your coaching staff in adverse situations? Um, so we've tried to do more of that. And um, I think that year, my first year as a, offensive coordinator kind of hit me right in the face like okay you know stay the course you're fine you're good at this recruit some players you're, you're going to be okay and uh, you know it worked out 
Were there any moments as a player, you know, especially playing uh, the quarterback position where you're you're really in charge of uh, an entire offense and making reads and audibling and trying to put your guys in the best position possible, um, play in and play out? Was there a moment on the field where you realized, like, hey, coaching is definitely in my future, play calling is definitely in my future? Yeah, you know, I, I play for Watson Brown, who's been a head coach at Vanderbilt, Cincinnati, Rice, UAB, offense coordinator at Oklahoma, East Carolina. Um, had He was 70 years, you know, 65 years old when he was coaching me. And I, I always want, you know, I kind of wanted to be like him. Like he's the X's and O's part he was really good at. You know, he was he was special when it came to designing plays and getting guys to execute and, and, and all those things. And he would let me call drives in practice, you know, my junior and senior year. Like he'd let me actually give the signals and I'm playing quarterback. I'm signaling the plays. And, you know, it, there were, there were times where I was like, man, this is, this is fun. You know, I could do this for a living. If they're going to pay me to do this, you kidding me? Um, you know, that's, that's kind of, kind of where it all started. And uh, that's where I got my drive for, for the X's and O's piece. It's incredible the type of impact that coaches can have um, on a player, whether it's their playing career, whether it's past uh, their playing career and, and influencing them into um, situations where they figure out what their passion is, whether it's on or off the field. And we've spent a lot of time talking about that. So super, super happy to be able to hear your personal story with, with your coaches. Uh, looking to 2023, obviously Boiling Springs, a small town that has definitely embraced you and your football team over the last few seasons. What can Gardner Webb fans look forward to uh, in 2023? Are there any new faces uh, that people should be introduced to uh, here as we're slowly but surely approaching the fall? Yeah, you know, we got some transfers I feel really good about. A couple transfer receivers. You know, we took two transfer quarterbacks, a um, couple transfer D linemen. Um, but outside of the transfers, you're going to see a lot of the same faces. Um, I think the reason we've had a bunch of success last year and hopefully this year is because we've kept the guys on our team. We have 19 starters back, and our defense is loaded. Um, offensively, we've got a lot of offensive linemen back and a great running back and two great tight ends. and we got question marks at wide receiver and, and at quarterback and at tackle. But um, you're going to see a lot of the same faces. Ty French, Nari Gaither, Gabe Thompson, William McCraney, Jamari Brown, Rick Winehouseley, um, Ty Anderson. A lot of those same guys are going to be making a lot of plays for us. So we've got to find a way to score some points this year. I think defensively we've got a chance to be really good. Uh, we're going to be in every ball game because – our defensive front's really good, and our defense is really good. And offensively, we I think we'll find a way to score some points and go fast and tempo some people, and uh, we'll see what happens. But you're going to see a lot of the same faces. Talking about those transfer quarterbacks, uh, I think this is a I think this is a fun question uh, towards you as a former quarterback. When when you're looking and recruiting uh, and trying to bring guys into your program, are you looking for Trey Lamb clones? Almost, and how hard are you on these recruits um, as you're trying to find your quarterback, considering your background at the position? Yeah, you know, I, in my opinion, if you get good at that position, everybody's job gets, becomes a lot easier. Um, 
nobody has ever won a bunch of games with a bad quarterback. That's a fact. Uh, so we got to get good there. I think, you know, as far as what we're looking for, uh, I certainly don't want to recruit many 5'8 quarterbacks. And that's how tall I was. So maybe if you could give a few inches there. Um, but, no, we're looking for a guy who's smart, intelligent, tough, um, gets the ball out of his hands, can get a bunch of completions, but also can run. You know, the, the, if you can get three or four first downs with your legs and be a threat in the run game, um, that puts a lot of stress on the defense. And, and we're trying to find those kind of guys. And it's, You know, I don't care if they're 5'8 or they're 6'4. You know, those are the qualities we're looking for. And um, ultimately, we want somebody who can lead our team and can win football games. And, and uh, it's hard to do. So that position right there, we, we took three transfers, and we'll see what happens. And everyone loves a good quarterback competition uh, in camp and before the season. So uh, I know Gardner-Webb fans are definitely going to be looking forward to that. Looking at next season and celebrating the success that you and your team had last year, is there a day that Gardner-Webb fans should circle and say, I need to be at Spangler Stadium because Gardner-Webb is going to be celebrating the 2022 championship team? You know, we did a ceremony in the spring this year after spring practice and gave everybody their rings. I think the homecoming game, we'll look at bring everybody back and do some, something at halftime. Uh, with those seniors that graduated and, and maybe a couple of the coaches that that moved on. But, um, no, I just think I, I'm excited for this year. You know, uh, we're not satisfied with what, hap- what happened. And uh, it was a great year. we got to put it behind us. But we're going to have a target on our back, and, and we know that every day that we're working towards it. Is that a type of pressure that you welcome with open arms? Uh, you said having a target on your back – Obviously, uh, for so long, Gardner-Webb, like I said at the beginning of this, uh, for 20 years, they were always the hunter looking to to hunt the champion and, and raise the trophy themselves. But now, all of a sudden, roles change, and, and you're the hunted. Everybody's coming in after you. Do you embrace that kind of uh, challenge and adversity, not just for you and your staff, but your players as well, kind of playing a different role than what they were used to in understanding the difficulties of repeating as champions? Yeah, I think the more pressure, the better. Uh, I think we thrive, I thrive personally, and the more chaos and the more things you can throw at us is kind of how we've built our program. So um, our guys understand what's at stake. They understand they're going to get everybody's best. Um, and I've seen a change this summer in the way we've worked. It's been more. It's been more nutrition. It's been more treating your body right. It's been more adversity. It's been more running. It's been more lifting. It's It's been more team stuff. I mean, our guys did a player-led team meeting two nights ago. Um, that would have never happened here, but, you know, in 2020 or 2021. Like, it, it's growing. It's going in the right direction. And I love it. Please, please, like, that's – if you don't want to be at the top, you're in the wrong business. Like, we want to be hunted. We want somebody to try to catch us. Like, it's kind of like a, a great golfer or a great racehorse. You know, we, we want to be in that position where somebody has to go get us. You and I could sit here and talk about football all, all night long. But I do want to get – 
this question off to you before we let you go. When when it's all said and done, and hopefully for you, uh, being a, a young guy, hopefully your coaching career lasts another 40, uh, 50 years if you want it to. But when when it's finally time to, to hang up the whistle, what do you want your legacy to be? How does Trey Lamb want to be remembered as a football coach, not just during his time um, at Gardner-Webb and all the previous stops, but wherever life may take you? Well, I think first and foremost, you know, above anything else, how did you impact people? How did you change young men? Um, second was he was a winner. He found a way, you know, no matter what the situations were, his teams were tough. His teams were fast. They were athletic. Um, you knew you were going to have to play well to beat them. You know, we weren't going to beat ourselves. Um, so those two things right there, I think, is, is the most impactful. He treated his staff well. Um, he did it the right way. He, he was able to um, find a good balance of life and football. You know, I, I think coaches sometimes put a little bit too much into it, and it's easy to do because we're so competitive. Um, but those are the things I'd like to be remembered for. Well, Coach, I certainly appreciate all your time um, here this evening. Real quick before we let you go, uh, for the people at home that want uh, a lot more Gardner Web football, where can people follow you on the World Wide Web? Where can people follow uh, any news about your team? And how can people get season tickets uh, for the 2023 season? Yeah, gwsports.com. We've got stadium renovations. We've got a lot of big-time things going on on campus. Um, we've got some new seats in the stadium that, that are much more comfortable. Um, a nice section there in the middle on the 50-yard line. And I think you're going to like the product you see this fall. Well, I know that uh, everybody in Boiling Springs, Garter Web fans uh, all over the place, all the alum, really looking forward to what you and your team uh, can do this season. Coach, thanks so much for joining me just for a little bit today and uh, look forward to seeing you out at Spangler Stadium this fall. All right. Thank you, Brendan. Yep. Appreciate it. Thanks, Coach. Wow, what an awesome conversation with Trey Lamb. We thank you again, Coach, for hanging out with us tonight and talking about your football career, your story, the life lessons you've learned in the game, and certainly what to expect in the 2023 season as the running Bulldogs look to defend their big South championship title. Uh, for tickets, whether it's a single game, whether it's season tickets, and for the latest and greatest in Gardner Web football and athletics all across the board, make sure you head to gwsports.com. This is Brendan Boylan signing off for this episode of the Dog Tracks podcast. We'll hope you join us again soon here on wgwg.org. See you next time.